Amen. Well, I believe that as we go through this chapter, that we are going to be going through just a a chapter that is going to encourage each and every one of us. We're going to see God's intervention in the life of someone that He loves. And I want to remind you also that God loves you very, very much. And just the way He loves David is the way He loved us, or He loves us. And so as we see this, as we go through this chapter, there's going to be much for us to learn, much for us to meditate on. As God intervenes in the life of David, proving that as the enemy seek to destroy his life, nothing will have victory against the people of God. See, I want to remind every single one of us that when our enemies are ready to attack, God is always there confusing. He is always there destroying the plans of the enemy. See, what's so amazing about God is that He doesn't allow the enemy to have victory against His people. See, and that's what we can rest on. And, you know, as we see what's happening in our church today, I want you to understand that there is an enemy that seeks to destroy what God is doing in this place. And see, God is going to do a marvelous work. God is going to do a great work. And everything that the enemy wants to do, God will destroy. God will not allow him to have victory. As he reminds us in Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who can be against us? And I want to share this thing with you is that God is for us. God is truly for us. I want you to know that God loves His church here on the corner of California and Amar. And this is what's so awesome about the love that He has for us is that He planted us here and He promised to keep us here. And one thing that I know is that He is going to reach the city through us. Even though we have an enemy that seeks to take us out, believe me, he will not have victory. But when we are in the battle, understand this, we usually don't see everything that God is doing. It's, it's sort of shielded from our eyes. I want you to understand that, that while we're in the battle, it's hard for us to see God in the battle. See, we don't see God moving and And just moving the pieces and doing what He does best. But understand that God is moving and God is moving the pieces. No matter what trial we see ourselves in, no matter what problem we're facing, no matter what enemy is there, God's hand is moving powerfully. He is guiding, He is protecting. And not only does this chapter show us the hand of God in David's life, But it also shows us the hand of God that is perfecting David. I want you to know that as he is protecting and guiding, as he is confusing the enemy, understand this is that God is also perfecting the ones that he loves. And what I mean by this is that David could never become the king that he became unless he went 
through the trials, through the problems, through the situations that he walked in. See, God has a plan. And the only way to accomplish his plan in our lives is to put us through the fire. This is the only way that he can shape us and mold us. Because if we're going through just a, 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 a you know what, a great time as we walk on this earth. If, if we're trouble free, if there's no issues or problems in our lives, and there's never going to be any changes in us. But understand this, is that because God wants to empty us, He has to put us through the trials. He has to put us through the fire. See, we shouldn't be surprised with trials that we experience. We shouldn't be surprised with the attacks of the enemy. Because when we become a threat to the kingdom of Satan, we will have trials. We will have attacks. But on the flip side, we take comfort in the fact that we know that we are also a powerful instrument for the kingdom of God. We may be a threat to the kingdom of Satan, but we are also an instrument for the kingdom of God. See, I want to share something about spiritual battles. And what I love about battles is this. And this is what the Lord is teaching me. And see, and I, I share with you, I, I'm, teach, I'm sharing with you also the experiences that I'm going through. Because I know that God, as He begins to shape the leader, He begins to shape the church. See, in order for God to move through the church, He needs to move through the leader. And so this is what is happening. See, there can never be a victory Unless there is a battle. There is never a wound. Unless there is a battle. And there is no perfection. Unless there is a wound. And what I mean by this is that. See you and I we need battles. To see the victory of God in our lives. You and I will never taste victory. We can never see the victory of God unless we go through the battles. And we know that in every battle there is a wound. And these wounds that we have are the wounds that are given to us to perfect us and to mature us. And this is what's so amazing. Is that God is using your battles to grow you and to mature you. See, the battles to destroy the man that lives in you. The battles are used to destroy the man that is in you. In order to trust the God that lives in you. See, there must be a destruction of the man that lives in us. In order to trust the God that lives in us. See we must come to a point of allowing God to increase in our lives. And as John the Baptist said that he must decrease. See what happens with us is that we still 
like to take control of our lives. We still like to call the shots in our lives. But we must come to a point of allowing God to call the shots in our lives. We must come to a place of saying, you know what? I got to die to myself because I keep messing, making a mess of things. And as we face the trials, understand this. This is what God is doing. He's chipping away at the man to show you that we must trust in Him. See, when we face the trials and when we face the battles, there is an important lesson that we all have heard, but do we really do it? I want to share this with you. In your trials, in your problems, in your battles, because we're all facing them. Whether you're in a trial, whether you're just coming out of a trial, know this. You're probably going to go in one very soon. But I want to share this with you. If your eyes are on God, they are not on the problem. But if your eyes are on the problem, they are not on God. Remember that. See, we like to look at the trials around us. We're so consumed with what's going on around us. But God wants to do a marvelous work in us. He wants to teach us to keep our eyes on God. With this whole trial that's before us, right? I mean, this is a huge trial for this church. The enemy wants me to have my eyes on the problem. But the Lord wants me to have my eyes on Him. See, God is going to do an amazing work. But we must have our eyes on Him. And David will show us today his eyes that were on God. And what's so amazing about this also is that God will show us his eyes that were on David. Imagine that. David is showing us that his eyes were on God. And God is going to show us that his eyes were on David. This is what's so awesome. Because as we look at this, right, as we think about what I'm just saying. See, we have a God that loves you so much. And he wants you to place your eyes on him. He wants you to just focus on him because he knows that. You know what? He knows how to solve the problem. And God shows us how His eyes are on us. See, when I looked at this chapter, you know what came out to me? was a man that was so connected with God. And you know what else I saw from it? A God that was so connected to a man. Can we see this? Are we there? Are we in a place that we're so connected with God and God is so connected with us? If we're not there, this is where God wants us to go. God wants us to have just an amazing, intimate, personal, deep relationship with Him. Someone asked me the other day, hey, what are you learning? He asked me this. He says, what are you learning now that you're full-time ministry? And as I thought about that, you know what I told him? I shared with him that 
I learn or I am learning. I'm learning to love God more than I ever have. See, I'm learning to have a deeper relationship with God. See, what happens now is that I have a lot more time to spend with God. And this is what He wants. See, I'm growing in knowing who He is and seeing who He is and hearing from Him. You know, as we read in 1 Samuel chapter 23, we see here just a, a man that is just running and But yet, he's not running from God, he's running to God. And we also see a God that is just so involved with David. And and I'm going to read the chapter, then we're going to just talk about the verses and, and just meditate on just this amazing relationship that God has with a man and this man that has a relationship with God. In verse 1, it says here, it says, And they told David, saying, Look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah, and they are robbing and threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. But David's men said to him, Look, we are afraid in Judah. How much more then if we go to Keilah... Against the armies of the Philistines. Then David inquired of the Lord once again. And the Lord answered him and said. Arise go down to Keilah. For I will deliver the Philistines into your hand. And David and his men went to Keilah. And fought with the Philistines. Struck them with a mighty blow. And took away their livestock. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. Now it happened when. Abiathar, the son of Achimelech, fled to David at Keilah, that he went down with an ephod in his hand. And Saul was told that David had gone to Keilah. So Saul said, God has delivered him into my hand, for he has shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. Then Saul called all the people together for war, to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. When David knew that Saul plotted evil against him, he said to Abiathar, the priest, bring the ephod here. Then David said, O Lord God of Israel, your servant has certainly heard that Saul seeks to come to Keilah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the man of Keilah deliver me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord God of Israel, I pray, tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. Then David said, will the men of Keilah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, they will deliver you. So David and his men, about 600, arose and departed from Keilah and went wherever they could go. Then it was told Saul that David had escaped from Keilah. So he halted the expedition. And David stayed in strongholds in the wilderness and remained in the mountains, in the wilderness of Ziph, 
Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. So David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a forest. Then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Even my father Saul knows that. So the two of them made a covenant before the Lord, and David stayed in the woods, and Jonathan went to his his own house. Then the Zephites came up to Saul at Gibeah, saying, Is David not hiding with us in strongholds in the woods, in the hill of Hakileh, which is on the south of Jeshimon? Now therefore, O king, come down according to all the desire of your soul to come down, and our part shall be to deliver him into the king's hand. And Saul said, Blessed are you of the Lord, for you have compassion on me. Please go and find out for sure and see the place where his hideout is and who has seen him there. For I am told he is very crafty. See therefore and take knowledge of all the lurking places where he hides. And come back to me with certainty and I will go with you. And it shall be if he is in the land that I will search for him throughout all the clans of Judah. So they arose and went to Ziph before Saul. But David and his men were in the wilderness of Maon, in the plain on the south of Jeshimon. When Saul and his men went to seek him, they told David, therefore he went down to the rock and stayed in the wilderness of Maon. And when Saul heard that, he pursued David in the wilderness of Maon. Then Saul went on one side of the mountain and David and his men on the other side of the mountain. So David made haste to get away from Saul, for Saul and his men were encircling David and his men to take them. But a messenger came to Saul saying, hurry and come. For the Philistines have invaded the land. Therefore Saul returned from pursuing David and went against the Philistines. So they called that place the rock of escape. Then David went up from there and dwelt in the strongholds of En Gedi. You know, as we look at this, you know, we see here just this man David, right? As he's fleeing another man, a man, his enemy that wants to take him out, that wants to destroy David. And we see how God is so active in the life of David, how he's so connected with this man, and how David is constantly connected with God. How David, you know what, constantly is looking to God. His eyes are not on King Saul. His eyes are not on the problem, but his eyes are on God throughout these events and it's amazing see the things that we can learn from david right the things that we can implement in our lives is that whenever we're faced with problems whenever we're faced with situations are our eyes on the lord or are they on the problem whatever the problem may be whether it's financial whether it's health whether it's with our kids You know, whether it's a spiritual, whether it's oppression, whatever it is, where are our eyes? Are they on God 
Are they seeking God? Are they asking God for His every direction in every situation that they're in? Are we like that? Or are we just too busy, consumed with our problems, overwhelmed with our problems, allowing our problems just to take the best of us? You know, where are we? You know, as we learn from David, you know, David is such a, an amazing example for us here, right? To see how his eyes are com- constantly on God. That no matter what his problem are, and believe me, his life was in jeopardy. The enemy wanted to take him out. And yet you see this man, he's, he's just focused and connected with God. Let's read the first couple of verses. It says here, Then they told David, saying, look, the Philistines are fighting against Kalah and are robbing the threshing floors. Therefore, David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, go and attack the Philistines and save Kalah. Kalah, just so you know, it was 15 miles southwest of Bethlehem. It was near the Philistine border. And these Philistines, they invaded the city, Kalah. And why would they invade? Because the farmers, understand this, the farmers had taken all of the grain, all of the food. And so the Philistines, they said, hey, you know what? They got all the grain from the crops, from the harvest, and guess what? They have a plenty full of food. So let's go take the food for ourselves. And we know one thing is that David finds out that the Philistines are there. And remember, David is on the run. Imagine, David is on the run, and yet he's still concerned about the lives of others. And instead of saying, you know what, Lord, I'm on the run, what do I do? He goes to the Lord, and he prays on behalf of others. He says, God, what do I do with the people of Keilah? You know what, do you want me to go and attack the Philistines and help them out? These are my people, these are your people. Remember, David, had, David was a shepherd. And you know what? He's so connected with God here that he says, what do you want me to do? And because of this connection with God, he's able to hear the voice of God. Are we so connected with God that we can hear the voice of God? Can you hear the voice of God? Are we able to hear that small, still voice when we ask him a question? God, what do you want me to do here? God, I'm in this situation. What shall I do? What do you want me to do? Do we hear it without a doubt? Can we say to ourselves, you know what? I hear your voice, God. I know what you're asking me to do. David was able to hear the voice of God. You know what I love about David? Remember this. is David is living out what he was trained to do. Remember, David was a shepherd. And remember, before he was called out to be king, and before... He fought against Goliath. They gave us insight into David's life. David himself said, remember, he told King Saul, you know what? I could defeat this giant. Don't worry about me. Because God is with me and God fights my battles. And he said, you know what? Remember when the sheep, I want to share with you what the lions and the bears used to do. They used to come and they used to steal my sheep. And you know what I would do is I would go after them and I would kill them and I would bring back my lamb. David saw these people as his sheep. 
He's saying, Lord, do you want me to go and invade and do you want me to go and help and fight? Even though they're all probably against me, I don't care because these are my sheep. And so the Lord says, go and attack the Philistines. Go get the enemy. Go get the bear. Go get that lion. Wipe them out and save the people. And then verse 3 tells us, it says, but David's men said to him, look, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more than if we go to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? Then David inquired of the Lord once again, and the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to, to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistine into your hand. You know what's so crazy here? Is that men, you know what? Friends and, and loved ones have a way of bringing doubt into, into our lives. You see here, right? David heard from God, but as soon as he tells his men, we're going to go, we're going to fight the Philistines, the, the men start saying, hey, hold on, David. Remember, the, the Jews are after us, and, and the Philistines, they're our enemies. So if we fight the Philistines, how do we know that the men and, of Keilah won't fight against us, and we'll be fighting two peoples? It will make a mess out of things. We're afraid. You know what? I don't know if I want to do that. So David, of course, he's like, Okay, maybe, you know what, I better go ask God. And David is so connected to God that he goes back and he asks him again. He says, you know what, God, I want you to confirm something. I want you to tell me something. Shall we go to Keilah and fight the Philistines? And look at how the Lord answers, arise, go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into your hand. This is what's so awesome about God is that God, when He speaks, you know what? We got to trust His voice. We got to trust what He says. And so remember, David is learning. I want you to know, remember, David is not perfected at this time. Just like many of us, right? We're a work in progress. And David is learning. He's learning how to hear the voice of God. He's learning how to trust in God. And so as David is learning and God is it's just showing him and molding him. He follows through. Look at what it says in verse 6. Or verse 5 it says, And David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines, struck them with a mighty blow, and took away their livestock. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. Imagine that. David and his men, Right? They go there, they're trusting in God, right? They're trusting in the Word of God. They're believing in the Word of God. Just like when God speaks to us, do we believe in His Word? And when He goes and they go and fight, they have a great victory. It's just not an ordinary victory. It's a great victory that He took livestock. And David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. Imagine that. They have the victory. They have the victory. And, and again, without... Knowing, without understanding, right? We, we, he, David begins to understand, you know what? What God is showing him. That he's experiencing the victories that come from God. See, for us, I mean, as we see this, right? I mean, we're, we're seeing, you know what? We, we're, we're reading about how God gives us victories against our enemies. As we see this, right? As we begin to understand this. Let's keep reading and see what else takes place. It says here in verse 6. Now it happened when Abiathar, the son of Achimelech, fled to David at 
Keilah that he went down with an ephod in his hand. And Saul was told that David had gone to Keilah. So Saul said, God has delivered him into my hand. For he has shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. Let me share this with you. Abiathar. Remember, who was Abiathar? Abiathar was the son of the priest, the son of Kimelech. And remember, all of the priests, 85 of them, were killed by King Saul because they helped David. So they kill all of the king, all of the priests, I should say. They kill every single one of them, and one of them escapes. His name is Abiathar. And so Abiathar, as he hears about the victory that they had in Keilah, he goes over there and he takes his ephod. And this is important. He takes the ephod. What was this? The ephod was a priestly garment. Remember, this was a, a, a beautiful garment that the priest would wear. It, was, it had amazing colors on it. It had amazing stones on it. It was like a beautiful, just, you know what? Clothing. And they would wear this. And he takes it with him. And in there was the umin and the thumin, which were these stones that, that they would use to, to find out God's direction. Okay? And so as you see here, right, you see that Abiathar goes there to Keilah. But then it tells us that Saul was told that David had gone to Keilah. So Saul is thinking to himself, you know what? Say, Keilah is a perfect place for me to capture David. It's an amazing city where I know I can get him because guess what? It has gates and bars And there's only one way in and out. So in Saul's mind, he's thinking, hey, guess what? You know what? This is a perfect time. And look at the heart of King Saul. King Saul isn't even concerned about his people. He's supposed to be king over the people. Not one time did we ever hear him say, you know what? I better go and defend the people at Keilah. He is so consumed with David that he loses sight of everything else. See, this is a man that is so far from God that has, has allowed, you know what, just his, his flesh to take the best of him. He's allowed his flesh to just control him as he seeks to kill his enemy or the one that he believes is his enemy. And so he goes to the town, not to save the people, but to capture David. And it says in verse 8, Then Saul called all the people together for war to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. Not to fight the Philistines, but to capture David. And when David knew that Saul plotted evil against him, he said to Abiathar the priest, Bring the ephod here. And then David said, O Lord God of Israel, your servant has certainly heard that Saul seeks to come to Keilah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the man of Keilah deliver me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord God of Israel, I pray, tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. Then David said, will the man of Keilah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, they will deliver you. I want to share something with you. And the reason I talked about the ephod here is for you to realize what is taking place here. See, God, David knew how to reach God. And he says, you know what? I've been talking to God. I've been speaking to God. And you know what? Now that you brought the ephod here, you know what? I, I want to inquire of God through the ephod. 
And you know what? God used to speak to his people through the umin and the thumin. These were the stones that, the, that they had in the, in the ephod. And if the stone shined bright, then it was a yes. If it was dark, then it was a no. And so what would happen here is that, is that God would speak to his people through the umin and the thumin. And then we know that the umin and the thumin sort of was replaced with the prophets, right? The prophets were now speaking for God. They didn't really need to use the umin and the thumin anymore. And then as the prophets no longer were speaking for God, God replaced the prophets now with His Word and with His Holy Spirit. See, and the reason I share this with you is because, see, as we see this going on, as we see this happening here, we just see just a, a picture of, of what we're supposed to do. And why I say this is because, see, when David was going to the Umin and Thumin, it's the same way that we go to the Word of God and to the Spirit of God. When you want answers and direction... We go to the Word of God. If there's anything that you're looking for, any answers that you need in life, when you're about to make major decisions, you know who speaks? The Word of God speaks. Go search the Word of God. Just like David. He said, bring the ephod. I want to hear from the women and thumen. We don't have the women and thumen. We don't have to go to those anymore. We go to the Word of God and we go to the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God speaks to us too. This is what's so amazing is that, see, David is an example for us to be connected with God. We got to be in his word. We got to be yielded to the spirit of God. And when you're yielded to the spirit of God and when you're in his word, understand this is that God speaks to you through both. This is what's so amazing. If you want to be connected to God, then you got to be yielded to the spirit of God. There's no more of this disobedient If you're disobedient to to the Spirit of God, if you're yielded to your flesh, it's going to be hard for you to hear from the Spirit of God because you're not yielded to the Spirit. How's He going to speak to you? See, for us as a people, God is calling us to yield ourselves to Him. You know, what you see here in this church is you see a a new beginning, a, a, a new thing that is happening here. There is a... A, a, a renewing of the spirit. There is a, a revival that is happening in our place. I want you to know. And it's not going to stay here. It's going to spread. And this is why we're called to, to say no to the flesh. And to say yes to the spirit of God. Many of us are in problems, in trials and situations, and we're searching for God, but yet we're not connected to God. Our eyes aren't on God, but our eyes are on the problem, and our eyes are on our flesh. And yet we want God to work. God can't work that way. God doesn't work that way. See, for us as a people of God, as a body here in the city of La Puente, I want you to know this. Is that God is calling us. God is calling us to purity. God is calling you to holiness. God is calling us to righteousness. 
And as I've been sharing with you, when we yield ourselves to holiness, when we yield ourselves to righteousness, when we yield ourselves to purity, the power of God will be moving in and through us and all around us. And this is what God wants to do. The same thing with David. We see this. We see a man here that is so connected to God and God is so connected to a man. You know what? Let us take our eyes off of self. Let us take our eyes off of our problems. And let us put our eyes on God. Let us put our eyes on, on, what, is, on what He's telling us through His Word. Let us, let us have a recommitment, a rededication to the Word of God and to the Spirit of God. This is what God wants for us. He wants to move like He moved through David, right? Imagine this, to be hearing the voice of God to, you know what, everywhere you turn, you know what, David's saying, you know what, I want to hear from God. You know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to search God out. I'm going to search Him in the umen and the thumen. Just like us, you know what, I want to hear from you, God. I want you to speak to my word, to me. So I go to your word and you speak to me and I'm hearing you. Holy Spirit, speak to me, reveal to me. And as he says to David, they will deliver you. Imagine these people that you freed, these people that you helped. Imagine they're going to turn on you. He saved their lives. The Philistines were there to fight and they were going to conquer them. And what we see here is we see David and his men save their lives. And yet, they're going to turn them in to King Saul. So verse 13 says this. So David and his men, about 600, arose and departed from Keilah and went wherever they could go. Then it was told Saul that David had escaped from Keilah, so he halted the expedition. Remember last week we went over chapter 22 and it told us that david had 200 men i mean 400 men and all of a sudden now we see that he has 600 men see this is what a leader does he's able to lead men and women all of a sudden people are sent to this man because he's a leader of god he's a god he's a man that is connected to god and he's going to do the will of god and because he does the will of god God will send men to follow the man that does the will of God. We see this happening here. We see the multiplication of men. You see a multiplication here of people. Why is this happening? It's because God sees the heart of the leader. That God sees the heart of those that are over you. And He sees that we want what God wants. We want our hearts to beat for God. We want to come alongside God. We don't want to walk behind God. We don't want to walk in front of God. We want to be alongside God. And when we're alongside God, understand this, God does amazing things. As we keep reading in verse 14, it says, And David stayed in the strongholds in the wilderness, and remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Zeph. And Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. You know what's so amazing about this? Is that David stood in the wilderness. God told him, leave. They're going to deliver you. And so he leaves. And he stays there in the wilderness, right? In the wilderness of Zeph. And Saul was seeking him every day. Imagine that. Saul is in the wilderness. He's trying to find King David. And it tells us that God did not deliver him into the hand of Saul. This is how God works in our lives. 
If we are connected with God, if we are, if our eyes are fixed on God, understand this, is that the enemy can never have victory over you. See, God loves us so much and He's reminding us that, you know what, that I do not allow the enemy to have victory over you. I do not allow the enemy to take you. And verse 15 says, so David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. And David was in the wilderness of Zeph in a forest. See, David can see Saul. Imagine that. David can see what Saul's doing, but yet he's hiding there with the 600 men. And yet Saul is running in circles trying to find David. And David can see this. But you know what? David is still a man. David is still a man that is just, you know what, that he is also going through some, some times, a difficult time now, that, that as he sees Saul around him, you know what, he's still a man that, it doesn't tell us here, but I could only assume that, you know what, that he's getting a little nervous. You know what, it's, you know what, it's, there's a time when, 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 when we sometimes need some encouragement. And this is what you see here. You see this in verse 16. It says there, Then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Even my father knows that. So the two of them made a covenant before the Lord, and David stayed in the woods, and Jonathan went to his own hand, to his own house. See, understand this is that God knows that we're not perfect. And David here, he's not perfected. He isn't ready to be king. And so God knows that, you know what, David is, is beginning to become afraid. There's a fear that's creeping into David right now. And, and yet, because I love David and because I'm, connected with David and David's connected with me is that I'm going to send somebody to encourage him and you know who he sends to encourage him he sends Jonathan and do you see what it says here that Jonathan was able to find David in the woods but yet King Saul was not able to find David isn't this crazy but see when God is involved in it God sends people right to you to encourage you this is the way God works. I love the way God works. Believe me, there's times when I need encouragement and I hear one of you telling me something or saying something and it encourages me because I need that encouragement. This is how God works, right? I, you know what? There was something that was told yesterday. I wasn't here. I'm sorry, on Monday. I wasn't here for prayer night. And you know what? And I wasn't feeling well. I was a bit under the weather and... And when you're under the weather, you're a little weak, and, and I wanted to be here, and then my wife comes home, and she tells me of these words that someone shared here. And you know what the words did that she shared with me? It encouraged me. It gave me that strength and that belief in God that, you know what, God has this under control. See, you and I need words of encouragement. God knows that we're not perfect. We're going to be perfect one day. You know when you're going to be perfect? When you're in heaven. But until then, you're not perfect. None of us are perfect. 
And we must realize that, you know what, we're still a work in progress, right? God is shaping us and molding us through the wounds that we have in these battles. And you see here, right, David receives a word of encouragement from Jonathan. And you know what the words are? He says, don't fear. For the hand of, my, of Saul, my father, he's not going to find you. That's the first thing he says. Saul will not find you. That's straight from God. That is straight from God. Just like the words that I hear, I know some of them are straight from God because they're God's words, right? And He encourages us. And then He tells David, you're going to be king over Israel. Understand, you will be king. Again, reminding David, you know what God? It's been hard. As fear was creeping in, he was just being discouraged. And it was hard, right? He knows Saul's around. Imagine this. David can see Saul and they're hiding out and he sees Saul and his men riding around them. I mean, I think sometimes we would be fearful, right? And so you see this, right? And so Jonathan tells him, guess what? You're going to be king. Just to remind him that, you know what? The promise that God made you, he's going to complete. He's going to do. And guess what? I'm going to be next to you. Jonathan had no idea. His heart was to be with David. But we know one thing is that Jonathan was killed. David loved Jonathan. But but one thing we know is that Jonathan loved David and he shared with David and he made a covenant, it says there, before the Lord and and Jonathan leaves, and that's the last time he's going to see Jonathan. But David stays there. He stays in the woods. And verse 19 says this. Then the Zephites came up to Saul at Gibeah, saying, Is David not hiding with us in the strongholds in the woods in the hill of Hekeleh, which is on the south of Jeshimon? Now therefore, king, come down according to all the desire of your soul to come down. And on our part shall be to deliver him into the king's hand. And Saul said, Blessed are you of the Lord. He's talking to the Zephites. For you have compassion on me. Please go and find out for sure and see the place where his hideout is. And who has seen him there? For I am told he is very crafty. Speaking of David. See therefore and take knowledge of all that the lurking places where he hides. And come back to me with certainty and I will go with you. And it shall be if he is in the land that I will search for him throughout all the clans of Judah. So they arose and went to Zeph before Saul. But David and his men were in the wilderness of of Maon, in the plain on the south of Jeshimon. You know what's amazing about this? Is you have the enemies of David. Remember, David is hunted. David's hated by everyone. And, And why is he hated by everyone? Because They're fearing Saul. See, what happens here is that, remember what King Saul did to the priest at Nob and to the whole city at Nob. He killed them all because they helped David. And so everybody is on King Saul's side because they're in fear of King Saul. That if they align themselves with David, then David will, I mean then, King Saul will kill them because they sided with David. And so they become enemies of David. 
and the people and the Zephites they go to Saul and say, Saul, you know what? We know that he's in our wilderness. We've spotted David and his six hundred men. And so Saul says, Tell me where they're at. Go back and find out exactly where they're at and come back and tell me. And guess what? I will go and I will find him. You know what's amazing about this? Is that David actually wrote, he wrote three Psalms. He wrote three Psalms during this time. What we're reading now, he wrote Psalm 27. He wrote Psalm 31. And he wrote Psalm 54. We're not going to read all the Psalms. We don't have time to read those. But the one that I do want to read to you is Psalm 54. And we're going to see David and what he wants to show us. It says here in Psalm 54, it says, Save me, O God, by your name. Remember, this is the heart of David. You want to know what's happening in David's heart when the Ziphites, when the Ziphites have gone to Saul? He reveals his heart to us. Just like when you go through personal trials and you're just pouring out your heart to people and you're pouring out your heart to God. This is what David is doing. David is showing us how he's pouring out his heart to God. How he's just sharing to God all that is going on in his heart and in his mind. And he says this to God. Save me, O God, by your name. Imagine that. Just save me by your name. And vindicate me by your strength. Not by my strength, but by your strength. Hear me. Hear my prayer, O God. Give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers, remember, he didn't even know the Zephites. They have risen up against me. And oppressors have sought after my life. They have not set God before them. In other words, guess what? They're not hearing from you. They're not making you their king. Otherwise, if they did, they would hear from you. And you would show them that I am not their enemy. And this is why he says, say law to meditate on this. And this is what I want to reveal to you. Look at how David speaks here. He says, Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is with those who uphold my life. He will repay my enemies for their evil. Cut them off in your truth. I will freely sacrifice to you. I will praise your name, O Lord, for it is good. For he has delivered me out of all trouble, and my eye has seen its desire upon my enemies. He reminds us, God is your helper. The Lord is the one that upholds your life. He is the one that repays your enemies. He will deliver you out of trouble. And he says, I will praise you. You know what? When I look at this, right, I see a man that is so connected to God, right? I see a man that is able to speak to God. He's able to have a, a, a deep, meaningful conversation with God. And this is what I pray for. Believe me, I have been working on my communication with God. I want to speak personal things to God. I just don't want it to be routine. I don't want it to be just a normal, you know what, just a, a normal conversation. I want it to be deep and meaningful and intimate with Him. See, God desires that we would just pour out our hearts to Him. 
Not to just have a routine conversation with them, just to say, oh God, bless my day. Oh God, be with my family. Oh God, you know, give me traveling mercies. Oh God, may I have a good day. How many of us pray that way? There's many of us that pray that way. But God is teaching us and He's showing us and He's revealing to you and I to say, you know what? I want to have a deep, meaningful relationship with you. I want to hear what's in your heart. And I want you to speak to me as if I'm in front of you. This is what God wants. See, this is what can easily happen if we purpose in our hearts. If you want to be connected to God and you want God to be connected with you, let's, let's work on this connection, right? Let's work on this bridge. And let's empty out just this, you know what, this, this cold relationship. You know, as we look at this, right, we see David as he writes. And what's so amazing is that my eye has seen its desire upon my enemies. You know what? God's going to repay my enemies for their evil. You know what's funny is that yesterday I was sharing with a pastor friend of mine. I shared with him. I said, you're not going to believe this. He had no idea. Well, he had heard what was happening and he heard it by a friend of our church that was at his church yesterday. Donald. Or Sunday, I should say. And he calls me up and he says, hey, what's going on? And you know what I shared with him? I said, can you believe this? There's a church that has no more than 50 members. That is, has lost their church. Let's call it for what it is. They lost their church. They couldn't afford their church. They had to sell it because they weren't faithful stewards. And now they want to take out a church that's over 300. That's doing a work for God. I say, can you believe that? And you know what he says? God, they don't know. They don't know what God, who they're dealing with. God is going to repay them for what they're doing. This is what he said. This is exactly what we see here. This is what's crazy about this whole situation. About what we see happening in this church. We have an enemy that has used this other body of believers that are ignorant to the fact that God is using them. I mean that the devil is using them to take us out. On something that God had promised us back in August of 2013 that he gave us this land. But as we see here, God's eyes are on David. God hears his cries. God he heard his troubles. God, God knew that, you know what, that he was going to praise him. And as we see this, right, as, I, as we see what we're going through, no matter what, we are praising God. We are called to praise God even through the trials that we're in. You have your personal trials. I have my trials. We all have trials. But are we praising God while we go through our trials? You see David here, right? 
You see, David, he's praising the Lord. He says, I will praise your name, O Lord, for it is good. Whatever's happening is good. This is what David is saying. David is saying, it is good. That's the same for us. No matter what is happening in our lives, it is good. Let's praise God. No matter what, God is going to work. And let's finish up And what it says here in verse 25. It says, when Saul and his men went to seek him, they told David, therefore, he went down to the rock and stayed in the wilderness of Maon. And when Saul heard that, he pursued David in the wilderness of Maon. Then Saul went on one side of the mountain and David and his men on the other side of the mountain. So David made his haste to get away from Saul, for Saul and his men were encircling David and his men to take them. Imagine that. I want to give you just what's happening here. They went to the wilderness of Maon. And so Saul's on one side of the mountain, David's on the other side. And guess what? Saul begins to dispatch his men. And all of a sudden they began to go on two different directions. And David is there in the middle on the other side. They are ready to capture David. Do you remember what God said in verse 14? That God will not deliver him into the hand of the enemy. Look at what God does here in verse 27. But a messenger came to Saul saying, Hurry and come, for the Philistines have invaded the land. Therefore Saul returned from pursuing David and went against the Philistines. So they called that place the rock of escape. And then David went up from there and dwelt in the strongholds at Engedi. Do you know what God does? God brings the enemies of Israel, the Philistines, to invade Israel. And so he sends a messenger to tell King Saul to tell him, guess what? The Philistines are invading. And right when they're ready to capture David, guess what they have to do? They have to retreat and go. Who was behind it? God. This is what's so awesome about God. God is able to confuse the enemy. God is able to confound the enemy. God is able to take the enemy out. Do we believe that? We see that here. And this is what God wants to teach us. You know, as we look at the life of David, it's so amazing to me. Because this man knew, he knew exactly, he knew exactly what King Saul wanted to do. But yet he trusted in God. And through all all of this, God was shaping and molding David. See, because the more trust you have in God, the less you're going to get in the way. The more trust you have in God, the less you will get in the way. Think about that. If I trust God, then I'm not going to start making my own decisions. Then I'm not going to start doing my own thing. I'm just going to leave it in God's hands. Because if I get involved, how many of us have messed things up? We mess things up. See, David was able to see the victory. The victory that is in God, but he couldn't see the victory unless there was a battle. 
And he wouldn't have the wounds unless he was in the battle. And there was no perfection or maturity unless there were the wounds. See, this is what was happening to David. And I want to share this with you. These are the things that are happening to me. See, there was a time, believe me, when I was seeking God and and I was hearing the voice of God and God was telling me to go here and I would go there. He would tell me to go to my left. I would go to my left. He'd tell me to go to my right. I'd go to my right. He'd tell me to go straight and I would go straight. And then you come to a place of thinking, you know what? I know better. And you start making your own decisions. And you stop seeking God. You could say, oh God, help me here. But you say one prayer and then you have an answer. But that's not the answer. See, we got to come to a place. A place where we can truly be connected with God. And He can be connected with us. Where He says, I want you to go here, and you go there. Where He says, I want you to go there, and you go there. I want you to stand still, and you stand still. Are we at that point? You don't get there unless you go through the battles. You don't get there unless you have the wounds. And this is what trials are all about. And this is why James said to count it as joy. For our faith is being perfected. And that is what is happening with us. That is what God wants to do in you. He wants to perfect you. He wants to mature you. He wants you to be a man, a woman after God's heart that beats with His heart. That when He says move, you move. When He says stop, you stop. When He says go to your right, you go to your right. When He says go to your left, you go to your left. He wants us to get to that point. He wants us to get to that point. Let's come alongside God. Let's not make a mess out of things. But let's do what He's called us to do. Trust in God. May He increase and may we decrease. Amen? Let's close. Lord, we just thank You. We thank you for your glorious word. We thank you for the many lessons that you've given us through David. Lord, I thank you for just speaking to us as a body, as as individuals. Lord, we want to taste that victory.
but we don't taste it unless we're in battles. We want to grow or we want to mature. But the wounds don't come unless we're in the battles. Lord, thank you for the battles. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for molding us. Thank you for perfecting us. Thank you for allowing your word to be a a mirror for us. To see where we are. The Lord is calling each and every one of us into an intimate, personal, meaningful relationship with Him. To have a relationship with Him as a priority, not secondary. Not to have a neighborly, cold type of relationship, but one that is based on love, one that is heartfelt. If you desire a deep, meaningful relationship with God and you've seen that your relationship, as we talked about David, being connected to God and God connected to this man, as he spoke, God answered, if you want a deeper relationship with God and you know that God is speaking to you and calling you to do this because of your relationship of the past, it's not there. And if you want this, if you want this type of relationship and you just want to start afresh and start anew and just to know that the relationship that you've had You haven't given it your all because you're consumed with the world or your flesh. And if this is what you want, I'm going to ask you to stand up and we're going to pray for you. Lord, you see what you're doing through your word. I see what your spirit is doing in and through us. It's your word, it's your spirit that's calling us to repentance. It's your word that is cutting the hearts of man and woman. It's you that's doing it, Lord. Help us, Lord, to grow. Help us to make a priority of you and our relationship with you. Help it to be deep and meaningful, Lord. Help us to talk to you from our hearts and not just from our mouth. Help us to seek you for every decision that we make. Help us to come alongside you. Help us to hear your voice when you tell us to go to our right, to our left. When you tell us to go straight and when you tell us to stop. Help us to truly hear from you. And help us to truly have a relationship that is pleasing to you. That is birthed out of love. 
Lord, we just want to thank you. As we confess here before you, Lord, that our relationship with you is not where it should be. And we want change. We want it to be better, Lord. Your people here at this church, Lord, desire you. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Fill us by your Spirit and overflow from us and touch those around us. May we be witnesses for you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.